0: So, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and uh, you're about to discover why. But let's read this together. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. That's a lot. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, "Draw Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone, brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. What a great passage. So just to add my hello and welcome uh, to you today, particularly if you're here for the first time, uh, if you've been invited by someone here at St. Thomas's for our Tri-Church Sunday, then uh, an extra special welcome to you today. And my hope, my prayer is that today you and all of us will discover that St. Thomas's church people are Jesus' people. And that Jesus' people are party people. Amen? So here we, a, a, a disciple, um, a follower, follower of Jesus, <clears throat> wrote this gospel, the, the book of John, which we, we've read today together. And he wrote these words about why he wrote this particular book on Jesus' life. He said this, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's why these words have been written by John. That we would know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And maybe you're here today and you are thinking, is this all there is to life? Is this really it? There's got to be more. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I'd love to believe what all these Jesus freaks believe, but I just can't. Or maybe you're thinking, why can't God just make himself known to me right now? And John's answer, the person who wrote the gospel that we've just heard being read, his answer is this Jesus has made himself known to all of us, because 2,000 years ago, God made himself known through Jesus Christ, his son. God became flesh. We saw him. People got to know him. And through his word, we today too can get to know him. He wants us to know who this Jesus really is. And the story we have here of Jesus turning water into the wine is Jesus' first miracle. Now, I don't know about you, but that's my kind of miracle. Can we have an amen for that, if you agree? You know, and I, on numerous occasions, I've been stood in the kitchen, both here in Newcastle and when we lived in York. I've gone to the sink, I've looked out the window, and I have just done a little cheeky prayer. I've tapped the tap. That's good. I didn't even write that down. Tap the tap. And I've just said, Lord, in this moment, when I turn the tap on, will you please make the water the best Chateauneuf de Pape? (laughs) Has anyone else done that? Just put your hand... Come on, there's no shame here. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, you see, I'm not alone. And I've done it a little cheeky tap. Come on, Lord, please, just do a miracle and turn this water into wine right now. Amen no, water Okay, but the thing we need to get here is that this is more than just a miracle of Jesus turning water into wine the point is much more than that it really is and that's what we're going to explore and discover together this afternoon so um, I don't know if you take notes Uh, we'd encourage that you do I like to do a little uh, kind of digital note which I never look at again but um, you never know, it comes in handy and it goes in the brain better I find if you write things down There's four points, which I would encourage you to write down, that we're going to look through together. The first one is this, the problem. The second is this, the promise. The third is the price. And the fourth is the party. So let's look at the problem in verses 1 to 3. Particularly verses one and two, Jesus is at this wedding, uh, which would have, by the way, been a really, really significant event in the life of the town. Everybody would have been there. Uh, The host of the wedding um, would have been literally planning this occasion for quite some time. And what happens is they have run out of wine. Oh dear! Now, in the first instance, uh, there's two questions. Well, what's the problem with running out of wine? Now, I could probably answer that myself, but uh, maybe for you it's just, you know, it could actually be um, a good thing, because it means we all get to go home early from the wedding and have a nice early night. We'll find out why that was a problem. Secondly, whose responsibility is it to sort it out? Now, let me tell you this it was quite literally a social disaster of shambolic proportion that the wine ran out on this day. There was no worse way to ruin a party uh, than to run out of food and wine. I mean, can you imagine going to a party, even now, and there's not a single thing to eat and there's nothing to drink? It would change the entire atmosphere of a party, wouldn't it? People would have travelled for miles from all over the place. Would have, it, and weddings those days would have been a week-long event. This was a big gig. Everyone would have been invited, hundreds if not thousands of people. And the, the groom would have been preparing for this day for quite some time. He would have had to build a, a new home for his wife uh, and his, his family, And uh, it gets to the wedding day. It's all going smoothly, going really well. And then at the last moment, they run out of wine. Disaster. Verse 3, we hear, they have no more wine. You know, this was about celebrating life and joy and there's no more wine. People would have been thinking that the hosts of this wedding were simply not hospitable. I do apologise if you've ever been round to my house and I've never offered you a cup of tea. But basically we've got a situation where there's a wedding and uh, you've not been offered not a cup of tea, but the wine is gone. This is a little bit shambolic, to say the least. The point here is that Jesus is at this wedding where the hosts, particularly the groom, are full of shame. Just think about that for a moment. What we have occurring in this moment at the wedding is shame. And there's nothing they can do about it. They're completely stuck. And they basically need rescuing from this mess. Than if you've ever been in a situation quite like it. Maybe you can picture yourself in a scenario like this. We all carry around with us don't we shame for the stuff we've said and the stuff we've done and on our own there's nothing we can do about it but look here look at what mary does in verse three a wonderful thing a model an example she goes straight to jesus and tells her him the problem she goes straight to jesus and tells him the problem She knows that Jesus can fix this. And like Mary, may this be a challenge to all of us today, we should bring all of our problems to Jesus. Last week Ben spoke to us and talked to us about how Jesus is the only answer to all of our problems. And Mary models it right here. So the question I want to ask us all today, myself included, is... What shame are we carrying with us right now in our lives? The things we've said, the things we've done. What's the weightiness in our life that we are carrying? And just like Mary, we can bring it to Jesus. Now, secondly, let's look at the promise, verses four to seven. In verse four, Jesus says to Mary, Woman, why do you involve me. Now, don't be alarmed. Um, Obviously, in in our culture and society today, uh, we wouldn't necessarily go around and say, man, woman, would it? It sounds quite rude. But at this particular time, it was um, actually a mark of respect. Side point. Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. When Jesus says, my hour, in the Gospel of John, he's referring to his, his blood, to him dying on the cross. And he's saying his time for his death and resurrection has not yet come. But he's going to point everybody at this wedding today to that ultimate hour, where he would die for the shame and for the sins of his people verse 5, Mary knows that Jesus is going to be the answer to this this problem that, that belongs to the bridegroom. So what does she do? She tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Isn't that a great model for us all as followers of Jesus? Just to do what he tells us to do. That would change everything. If we We're only obedient to what Jesus was asking us to do. Verse 6, we learn that nearby there were stone, six stone jars that were used for ceremonial washing. Verse 7, Jesus says, fill them to the brim not just a little bit or halfway, fill them to the brim. That means like to overflow them because I'm going to do a miracle in your midst right now. And it's not going to be a petty one, a small one, or a little one. It is going to be magnificent. Bring to Jesus not just your little, but your all. And he can do a miracle with it. The fact that Jesus uses these jars that were meant for ceremonial washing, is, um, is really significant. It's really significant for us. Because Jesus is communicating here that he has come to wash us clean. So just a few moments ago, we were kind of pondering about the shame that we would perhaps carry with us today, of things that we've said and done in the past. And now we are learning that Jesus in our midst is doing something that represents... That we can be washed and made clean. Now, what does it mean for you and me today, going forwards, leaving this place? Well, we're full of shame. All of us are different, and all of us carry it in varying levels. But we live with shame, and we need saving. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've all done something wrong. And what happens when we do something wrong or something goes wrong? Somebody needs to pay for it. Some people need to pay. Someone needs to pay the price. Now, if you know me well, uh, you will be aware that when Rach and I lived in York, and I think it was before we had the girls, uh, we had quite a disaster uh, occur care to our, the house we were living in. Sorry, I just have to prepare myself, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> Anyone got faith? <laughs> Maybe not now. <laughs> so when I was in York, uh, it, was, it was a cold winter's night, February, and uh, it was blowing a gale down our street. And uh, we were just, we'd, we were home from work and we were in the kitchen of our house and um, all of a sudden there was the most Horrendous crash. Now, seriously, it was it was very significant. The noise uh, led us to believe uh, that firstly, um, a Boeing plane had landed on top of the house. Now, obviously, on reflection, that was a little bit kind of over the top. Um, And then we came to the conclusion that the chimney had collapsed and fallen in the roof. Um, Now, as this stress was occurring, uh, this noise went on and on, probably for no longer than three seconds, but it felt like 30 minutes. Um, I went into complete panic, and I was flapping around, um, so if it's ever an emergency, make sure I'm out of the way. (laughs) I was flapping around, um, I was trying to open the door to the garage, which was connected to the kitchen, because I thought that would be the safest place in the house. As I'm trying to open the door, Rachel, my wonderful wife, is turning the mains electric off, turning the gas tap off, making sure the, um, the pan off the cooker is removed safely, and that the hamster is firmly secure underneath the table. <laughs> I'm still flapping. Uh, eventually get into the garage and then discover that was uh, the least secure and most dangerous part of the house to be in. The noise stopped. Looked up in the garage, you could see the sky. Went out into the garden and there was a mass of tangled metal, springs, fabric. And uh, you can imagine the scene. uh, Someone's trampoline had blown into our house ripped off uh, quite a lot of the roof, smashed numerous windows, and uh, I just literally, thank God, I wasn't in the shower at the time. It would have been like something of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) So uh, the garden was a mess, the house was a mess. I knew exactly where the trampoline had come from because on my journey home from work every day, there were kids bouncing on a trampoline three doors down across the road. So I barge out on the street, like this, (laughs) with a face on. Walking towards me is a bloke, never met him before, and I was on a mission. He interrupted me, which I wasn't best pleased about, and he said, Hey mate, sorry, uh, you've not seen a trampoline, have you? (laughs) Ours has just gone missing. That was seriously his words. And I looked at him and went, Are you having a laugh? I said, I'll tell you where your trampoline is. Follow me. (laughs) Went into our garden. He looks at his kid's trampoline on the floor. Irretrievable. He couldn't do anything with it. And uh, he looked at me and went, oh, I wonder who's going to pay for this. I looked at him and went, where you are, not me. And this trampoline had literally flown across the road, three doors down. I mean unbelievable what had happened. Anyway, we ended up paying for it. Yes, so the point of it is, uh, let me get to it, is this. The point is of Jesus turning water into wine. Jesus is pointing to his death and resurrection. This story is full of the gospel message. He's pointing to the price that he's going to have to pay. For you and for me. Wine representing his blood, which is poured out to undo and pay for the bridegroom's shame. Jesus' actual hour that's referred to here is when he was hung on a cross for all the wrong in our life. And he exchanged his perfect perfection for our brokenness so that we could be credited. With Jesus' righteousness. And like the bridegroom in this story, we did nothing to deserve it. But for those who trust in Jesus, when God sees us, he sees the perfection of his Son. And this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. There were two friends at school, they were great friends. They went to university together, and they were good friends throughout university, but then they went their separate ways. One of them went on to become a lawyer, and then a judge. The other one went on to have a life involved in crime. Now, one day, the criminal appeared, appeared before his old friend, the judge. And the judge, as you can imagine, was faced with this dilemma, because he loved his friend but he had to do justice and that if you like is god's dilemma he loves us but there has to be justice he can't just say just like the judge couldn't say oh well you're my friend we'll forget about it just just go on your way so what did the judge do he find him the appropriate amount. He pleaded guilty. Let's say it was £20,000 for the offence. And then after that, the, the judge took off his robes. He went round to the other side where his friend was standing and he wrote a cheque for £20,000. He paid the penalty himself. And that is what God does through Jesus for you and for me. That is amazing. And then we come on to the party. If that's not a reason to party, uh, I don't know what is. But isn't it great that Jesus starts his ministry with a party? This is something for us all to celebrate. And guess what? It points to the ultimate party that one day we will all share in together. Where there's going to be overflowing wine and the best food and the best company. And it'll go on forever and ever and ever. Church, Jesus came to give us joy. Not to be living in shame, but to live Enjoy. In the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament of the Bible, he gives us a picture of heaven. And it is a picture of a wedding banquet where there's the choicest meats and fine wines. It says this On the mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine. The Chateauneuf-du-Pape on tap is literally going to be an occurrence in glory, folks. The best of meats and the finest of wines. Jesus wants us to be people that celebrate because we have something to celebrate. He came to die for our sins so that we don't have to die but have eternal life, life in all of its fullness. Are we going to choose today to be people of joy and to be people of celebration, to be people who are party people in the name of Jesus? Are we? Sorry, James. (laughs) Yes. God says, I forgive you. God says, I forgive you. But He's so holy that He had to come and die for our wrong so that we can be forgiven. How profound is that? You are forgiven, and you are loved, you are accepted. Not because what you have done, but because what Jesus has done for you. We're going to respond. If you're able, can I invite you to stand or or perhaps um, just where you are, just um, place your hands out in front of you as a, a physical sign of wanting to receive and respond to what we've just heard. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to move among us now, that you'd speak to us. We thank you for your presence with us. And Spirit of God, we ask that you would move in power. Because we've discovered a gospel. A gospel that invites us not to a wedding full of shame but to a wedding full of joy and so Holy Spirit in the quietness of our own hearts right now may you perhaps just sensitively and gently highlight parts of us now that are weighing us down The areas of our lives where we're living with the burden of shame. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, not to highlight these things, these shameful moments or occurrences to make us feel bad or to embarrass us but because you want us to be set free. To live life to the full. And Paul says in Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you are struggling in this moment with shame, shame, may you receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is no condemnation if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour there is no condemnation in him you can be free And maybe that you just, as you, as you deal with this, with, with, with the Spirit of God present with you right now, maybe there needs to be a, a physical response of you letting go of the shame and allowing Jesus to deal with that and take it away from you and to experience and know the fullness of his freedom that you can now walk in and live in. And so whatever you need to do now to express that, do it. Holy Spirit, break in. Break in right now. maybe a few of us here who um, are simply just suffering with a lack of joy in our lives maybe that's you and despite knowing that Jesus has come to give you life in all of its fullness you've heard that said you just simply you've not yet experienced it you know joy is a spiritual fruit it's a gift that the Holy Spirit can impart among us right now if you want to receive the fruit of joy in your life right now then receive it maybe you want to grab it say own it, take it I'm having this for me I'm choosing joy And then finally, maybe you're here for the first time and you've heard the gospel of Jesus today. You know what Jesus, you now know what Jesus has come to earth to do. And you just know that you need to do something about it. That he's paid the price for you and that you can be credited with the perfection of Jesus, if that's you, you want to live in the fullness of him. You want to give him all of your sin and all of your shame. And you want to say thank you for what you've done for me, Jesus, in dying for me so that I can have life. Then can I invite you to pray this prayer with me? It'd be the best thing you ever do, giving your life to Jesus Christ. so in the quietness of your heart we pray Lord Jesus Christ I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life please forgive me I now turn from everything that I know is wrong thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. And I now receive that gift. So please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship in song. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a resource to help you on your journey in faith. Uh, Do come forward and to the right, there'll be a team who would love to pray with you. And if you want prayer for absolutely anything else as well, come forward. We don't have to be people of shame. Become a people of abundance in Jesus' name. Amen.